Hey, family. Wow, am I so excited about our guest today. You know, it's kind of weird calling John a guest because it's more like having a family member come home. I've learned so much from John Hope Bryan over the years, and we've enjoyed so much of our uh, journey and uh, success together. Uh, he's taught me things that have been dynamic to how I'm living today and how I continue to learn. And today he's going to be talking with us about his newest book, Up From Nothing. It's the untold story of how we all succeed. If you Google John, you're gonna find some of these things said about him. John Hope Bryant is founder, chairman, and CEO of Operation Hope Inc. He's the CEO of Bryant Group Ventures and co-founder of Global Dignity. He's been recognized by five US presidents and served as an advisor for three of them. He is the recipient of hundreds of awards and citations for his work, including American Bankers 2016 Innovator of the Year. He's Inc.'s World Top 10 CEOs, honorable mention with that, and Times 50 for the Future. John is the author of three best-selling books, The Memo, How the Poor Can Save Capitalism, and Love Leadership. And today, I get the thrill of having him talk about his fourth book, Up From Nothing. Enjoy, John. Joining us right now is one of America's most successful female entrepreneurs. Special guest speaker today, the first African-American woman to own a billion dollar company. Her name is Janice Bryant Howroyd. She's the founder and CEO of Act One is one of the largest staffing companies in the United States. She's now ranked by Forbes as second wealthiest self-made African-American woman in America behind only Ms. Oprah Winfrey. Janice, great to have you on the show. Wonderful to be Thank here. Thank you so much Wonderful. for joining us. Janice, welcome to the program. Janice, what about your book? John, it's always such a pleasure to talk with you. I mean, goodness. And look, we've been communicating more since we've been under distance than we did before. I guess we've really had to focus in on the things and the people who matter the most right now, huh? Yes, yeah. Crisis creates uh, also opportunity, rainbows only follow storms as you well know so yeah well listen you're you are bringing some information that i want to dive right in i committed to our uh family today that we're going to be talking about up from nothing which is according to you the untold story of how we all succeed yeah. it's it's riveting in terms of of just waiting to be made into a documentary a movie but people need it right now and i'm so glad it's print John, you talk about why you needed to do this book. I, I think the title even uh, speaks to it. And yeah. your life has just been such a series of um, answering questions before they occur and then being there in the moment. Did you predict this book would be coming out around this time when so many people need it? Uh, no, I think our mentor, uh, uh, Ambassador Andrew Young, would say uh, the coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, so well, God. This is the universe speaking, not me. And you so get that the minute you open the book. Listen, you've broken this book down into different elements that are going to be easy for people to jump forward in the chapters. But what's the big message you want? What, what is it people know, need to know? You know, the, 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 
the book is is not about you know what's typical how does an individual succeed who's special how does uh how does somebody motivate themselves how do you you know uh how do you get rich uh you know, all these little vignettes they're not scalable and um i wanted to write a book that was open source software for the world um i wanted to write a book that uh, you and I can relate to, but also cousin Pookie could relate to. Right, right. Uh, uh, them. Uh, I wanted to write a book that uh, that that made our made African Americans proud, but didn't make my white friends, uh, you know, sort of get defensive and, and rear back. I wanted to write a book that that made so much common sense you couldn't reject it. And the the so I don't talk. I don't deal with race, uh, uh, even though racism is huge. I deal with class which I think drives racism. Um, I deal with math because to me that, and formulas. So I created, I think the big aha in this book, there's several of them, but one of them is the five pillars of success. I actually put a gauntlet down and I say, and I specifically say that there are, you know, three examples of groups that were underserved who, who succeeded. Caribbean blacks, um, Black Africans who came from on their, on their own volition from Africa here, Caribbean Blacks who came from Caribbean islands uh, here. And let me just throw a group in, you know, uh, you know uh, Jewish, my Jewish brothers and sisters uh, who came here and succeeded. Then you've got three groups who got nailed, African-Americans uh, who are Black just like Black Africans, Black just like Black Caribbeans. Uh, you can't tell the difference just only looking at them. Uh, Native American Indians and poor whites. And I mixed these groups up intentionally, Janice, so that no one could say, uh, yeah, but. I don't want to give anybody an excuse to go sit down and say, no, this, this is all rigged, I can't win. And so we, I, I went through a formula of the five things that made the first group, in spite of racism, discrimination, bias, uh, sexism, all the isms, in spite of that, that, those three groups as a whole, even with oppression, uh, sitting on top of them, still one as a group. And this other three groups I mentioned, poor whites, African-Americans, and Native American Indians, have not succeeded as a group. They've been outliers, like you and me, and others we can we can name. Um, and, and John, when you say African-Americans, you're talking about those who are up from slavery. Came here uh, against their will, uh, or not with their own self-determination. Uh, came here and were enslaved. They weren't slavery. They were enslaved, and that and when in the the process of enslaving somebody requires a, a formula. Also, Janice. Yes. All right, and that formula messed up our head. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to do with this book, I'm trying to get your head right again. I'm trying to get you back in the game with the right mental framework, the right mental business plan for an individual to succeed a family to succeed, a, a, a block, a, a community, I, I'm, I'm going to be bold, a city and a country. I believe well, the business plan is a business plan for you and your household, but it's also the business plan for America. You know, two things you, you provoke for me, John, because number one, uh, Ambassador Young does say that this book is so important at the local level and 
you go on to teach that it's what we do at the local level and without what we do at the local level that dynamically impacts the whole of us, whether that's our economy, our social systems, our body politics, it all impacts us, but it starts at the local level as will how an adult will uh, 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 succeed is impacted dynamically by what's happening when they're young. I'll even progress it to say, which is my second point, why I'm so excited about this book and why I'm reading it ferociously is... Go on, Dennis, go back. To, go back to the first point you just said about the local level. It's you. Uh, Act One and your company is based in Southern California. Yeah. But you're also one of the top 100 Black-owned businesses in America. Mm -hmm. And while you're based in California, you employ people across the country. While you're based there in California, you hit GDP, gross domestic product, uh, you you're an employer there, you're, you're an economic actor there, you, you pop the economic activity in your city, but you're also a part of the state's receipts. You're also a part of the national uh, uh, activity. You've now become a national leader. What you've done there in Southern California has vibrations, economic vibrations and spiritual and emotional and I think even policy vibrations across the country. So you are literally an example of what we just talked about which is, uh, can somebody local have an act, uh, have an impact that's national and global? You're, you're looking, your audience is looking at it right now. I don't want to get but you- I, 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 want you to, I want you to dig in a little bit and get us ready, all of us, because as you said, you're speaking to the, uh, the collective body of who we are, okay? Um, as America, as the world. Here's where I want you to get us platform so we're all at that same place. You said you want uh, Pookie and them to understand this as well as someone whose leadership, you know, at the national or international level. And you've done that dynamically. You've heard me say, John, that it is as recent now, I think when you and I uh, did, um, did, did our uh, fireside chat at Hope, um, I would say four years, but you've heard me say um, it's as recent as five years ago that I forgave myself for being black, female, and smart at the same time. You talked just a few minutes ago about how important it is how we cooperate with what we've been taught about slavery or about economic impact or uh, whether we are poor whites from the mountains in North Carolina where I grew up or poor blacks uh, on the street where I grew up. We, we all have this uh, cooperation with a dynamic, you know, my folks, your folks, we, we say it's not what they call you, it's what you answer to. Sometimes we're calling ourselves that when it's not required. And so to get us ready for up, up from nothing and to really understand stand the lessons you're teaching us, because you said this is what everybody can use for success. So uh, a, a prescription for everybody when each of us may bring different harm or conditions to it, it becomes necessary, I think, for us to clean up some of what really is and what we bring ourselves. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, hurt people hurt people. And uh, just like success is nurtured and cultivated, so is failure. Uh, just like, uh, well, poverty is passed down. Uh, a poverty mentality is passed down with the best of intentions. No matter how much I love you, my son or my daughter, 
if I don't have wisdom, I can only give you my own ignorance. Woo. No matter how much I love you, my son or my daughter, no matter how much I love you, if I don't have wisdom, I can only give you what I've got. I can only give you my own ignorance. And so out of love, we pass down bad habits from generation to generation with good intentions. But it's what we don't know that we don't know that's killing us, but we think we know. And so uh, I am a, I'm a businessman because my father was a businessman and my mother was a businesswoman. Um, I, I have a collaborative relationship with my wife where, uh, you know, uh, where my uh, revenue is meant to take care of us. And then some other activity, my wealth building is created to create um, a future generational wealth for us. And then she has a purpose for the money that she makes, which is separate from the purpose of what, but when I was growing up with my mom and my dad, my dad sort of, his job was to make a living. My mother's job was to create a life. Mm -hmm. so her money went, uh, had a different purpose. The money she made went to go put a damn payment on a house to buy some real estate. My, my dad was hustling to make sure that we got the bills paid. Uh, before that, my father's father, uh, uh, my grandfather, R.B. Smith, who I put in the book, uh, owned a farm in 1940. He was born in 1871. He was born into the, the tail end of slavery. Um, and I'm now doing research on my great-grandfather. Uh, and I'm not going to be surprised if he was also an enterprising individual as well. In other words, I'm not a genius here, Janice. I'm role modeling. Well, and no, you are, you, you are a genius. However, I think the bigger point is you're not leaning on your genius from an academic perspective. You're leaning on your relationship to people that allows us to reveal our own uh, genius. And I mean, you coming up from the beginning as you had, John, I mean, when I, when I look at the profile, it's, it's so amazing to understand the friendship we have where you never brought any of that out in terms of uh, bragging, you were always teaching and you were always sharing other people as examples and not yourself as an example. I want to get into these five pillars of success though, because they example dynamically, not just how you've learned and what you've seen from others, but what you've actually done yourself. You say massive education, financial literacy, strong family structure, self-esteem, and supportive role models. Now, when people read that, many people, even people we see today who are framed as successful, many people don't have that. But you you teach in a way in your book where they can create that, especially if they care about any generation beyond themselves. Can we start to dig into that? Yes, so now we're starting to get into the meat of the matter. So we've talked about, so there's three mindsets, there's so much, in this book, because I, I just jammed everything in here, trying to give people a real trigger to pivot their life around. There's three types of people in every household and every company. There's a there's a cook, there's a hunter, the skinner, and the cook. There's three types of mentalities: surviving, thriving, and winning. All right. And uh, if you and then there, by the way, under the hunter, skinner, cook, there's also a fourth group that's called the spectator. You really, other than going to a sports game after you finish working, you don't want to be in the spectator category. Uh, it pays nothing it, it, and it charges you everything. Mm -hmm. And you're not, it doesn't create ownership. You got to decide whether you're the hunter, the skinner, or the cook. You and I are the hunters, <laughs> okay? Um, um, but when I get home, by the way, my wife turns into the hunter. 
but in order to create the environment we have at home, she's also the cook. I don't mean mm -hmm. literally a cook. I mean, she's turning the house into a home. Right. Uh, but you also cannot have in that house a one person who's got a surviving mentality and one person has a winning mentality. That's in conflict with each other. Um, and there's too many of our people that, is, that are in a surviving mentality. It, 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 the surviving mentality has us out there protesting, understandably so. But you got to shift from that protesting mentality to a, you got to go from the streets to the suites. <laughs> because the only, only people with a winning mentality build something. Build a community, build a, build a company, build wealth, build a family, build your hey, family. Hey, John, go back and, and distinguish between, uh, and, and forgive me, I just really, everything you say is so important, and I think it needs to progress for, for our family listening. Um, so we've got the survivors, and you, you, you've spoken to that. Yeah. Bring us to the distinction between thriving and winning. Sure. Many people believe thriving is winning. No. And it may be winning 101, but you're talking That's about right. ultimately winning. Yeah, so you're brilliant, because you, you know it before I said it. Thriving is winning 1.0. But in order to truly build, you need winning 3.0. So, uh, and I haven't even got to the five pillars, which is the key to everything. I'll, I'll pivot to that in a minute, but I wanted to get some undercurrent here. So. I think we're in a, I've never said this on any broadcast, any, any media interview, I'm saying it to you first. I'm gonna start talking about this endlessly, but I'm saying to you first now. I think, Janice, we're now in a, we're in a third reconstruction. In mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. uh, the first reconstruction was, was, was triggered by the Civil War. Uh, and for a year after the Civil War, you had a, one more progress in a year uh, than you had in a, than 200 years for free blacks. But then it just stopped like a dime because there was no economic and political empowerment that came after that. And then Reconstruction was stopped uh, by the president that came after Lincoln, which was Andrew Johnson, who I think was just, just horrible. And then mm -hmm. you had the second Reconstruction, which picked up from the first one after a hundred year pause. That was Dr. King, my mentor, Andrew Young, Coretta Scott King, Dorothy Height. Uh, and that was about uh, political empowerment, the right to vote, the reaffirmation, reaffirmation of, of, of your democracy as the power, as, the, as royalty. And it created the middle class through professions. Hey, hey, John, some of us call that the right to, the right to buy, not the right to sell. <laughs> That's right. So we create people who cash checks, not write them. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. America needs that. America needed the middle class. The white middle class basically came, it started after the New Deal. Um, but it really codified after, the, after the, 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 the Marshall Plan, after World War II, where the GI Bill gave every really more, mostly previously poor white or struggling white uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, as much education you can shove down your throat. That's one of my five pillars. Uh, a, an apprenticeship for a new job uh, for the future and uh, enough money to buy out and put a down payment on a home. That created the explosion of the white middle class. The black middle class came after, really, World War II created the professions for black people, dentists, lawyers, account this was all through the military. So we got the right to vote, the right to put who we wanted in office, political empowerment, and we got the black middle class and black working class in at scale. And we got educated and, and did all that stuff. That's the thriving of America. The middle class is the, is the key to democracy. It's the, it's the key to political empowerment. Uh, the current vote the, 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 that's happening going to happen in a month here in this country is going to be really rely on the middle class who 
outvote everybody else because they have a stake uh, in the outcome because no one washes a rental car. <laughs> if you don't own anything, you typically are not really concerned uh, all that about it. And, so you, and John, let me let me ask you not to pivot, but no. can you give us an aside real quick? Um, owning the right to vote. So many people now, and I mean the conversations I'm having, people are asking this. So please, you know, just take this moment to speak to it from from how you see it, which is a very well informed position you uh, you have. I get, I think, dynamically because you engage. Here's the thing: we all have a vote. And now the question is, and we, and I think it fits under the conversation we're having about up from nothing because your, uh, your political currency may be a lot stronger than your financial currency and seed it in many ways if you manage it well. Uh, it certainly impacts each of our uh, financial currency, our political currency engaged well. Here's the question. We all have a vote. How does gerrymander and electoral college play into that vote just to get people on the right page to understand because that's part of your education. Yeah. Just as much education as you can consume. Yeah. People talk about whether we've been educated or what is it Lauren Hill says miseducated. Uh, how, talk about that a little bit, get us all on the same page to understand. The problem is that most people don't even understand what you just said. And, and uh, gerrymandering and, and playing, basically playing with voting districts and voting blocks, and then that is just amplified by social media feeding you the information that, that you already, that, that what well, you've already indicated you're interested in. So you, you only know, you only learn that what you already know, you only get more information based on what you already believe. And so now you're in this, you're, it, in some ways, the most valuable asset today uh, is your, uh, uh, is your social ID uh, and the data the data analytics that are tied to that, and that's owned by the social media companies, not by you. That's a whole nother conversation. It's almost more valuable than, than everything but real estate today. Um, and, we're, and people are trading us without our knowledge. So, also with gerrymanding a vote, uh, you, you're being in some ways disenfranchised um, uh, and your political representation is being played with. But all this requires, all this conversation requires um, we have to realize you cannot have a, a the leading of the free leader of the free world with 41, basically 50 percent of the people with high, who are high school educated. One of the things that happened in the World War II is you had this surge of college education, higher education. Mm -hmm. With more mm -hmm. education comes freedom from 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 uh, uh, a lot of bias, a freedom from backwards thinking, uh, freedom from ignorance. Education frees you, exposure liberates you, uh, and creates a commonality where there was not one before. Correct. Correct. So, so half of this country is edu is I'm sorry is high school educated. Now you've got political forces playing on that ignorance, uh, uh, directly and indirectly. They're assaulting you uh, because they know you don't. This is like this. We're talking about financial literacy. This is basic literacy, or this is political illiteracy. Uh, this is this is this is basic illiteracy, and that and, and illiteracy it makes you angry, <laughs> uh, uh, versus making you focused. Uh, and I always say, when you ever make a, an emotional decision, it's going to be the wrong decision. So uh, you've got to, we, we, our people need to respond, not react. Uh, and so I didn't want to, I didn't want to go here, but I, I will say this. Over the weekend, I watched a documentary and Steve Bannon, who is an advisor to this administration, uh, said the, that if you want to fundamentally change a society, 
you first have to break it. Now, that explains everything about the last three or four years, if you're paying attention. Uh, and you've got to, and, and that only works if the, if the person breaking it and replacing it with something else is somebody who you trust is, is creating a, a software upgrade on what you had before. That, unless it's God Almighty, come back to earth, I don't believe in one person having a, a philosophy that's better than what was created by our founding fathers in 1776 and was, was, was upgraded by the civil rights movement in 1965 and so on and so forth. So, so there are games being played with our democracy, but if we're not informed, once again, it's what you don't know that you don't know that's killing you, but you think you know. And if you're in a surviving mindset, by the way, you're depressed. African-Americans in particular vote twice, when we're proud and when we're pissed. <laughs> and <laughs> if we were proud, we were proud when Obama came around that first time. We voted. But in the middle of those two things, proud and peed off, is uh, disconnection. Mm -hmm. And people want you disconnected right now. They want you not to want to vote. They want you to feel, feel like you can't do anything about the current situation so that the people that they have supporting them go vote. And that's how they win elections, not just here, around the world. And, and, and to your point that we talked earlier, John, about local feeding to the national or, or local feeding to the global, um, how we vote at the local level dynamically informs what becomes a, acceptable and what occurs at the national level if you're localizing the conversation to America. Your book, by the way, yeah. is so incredible that I really want to host you to a conversation with some of my friends in London who are uh, doing a, a European uh, a, a conference. And I think your book applies everywhere. You say, you know, these are the, these are the skills that any of us can employ to succeed. I yeah. think what we're talking about right now is some of us who are uh, disenfranchised by ignorance following, uh, following uh, uh, slavery, but it works so well for all six groups who you identify, those who succeed as uh, immigrant population and those who don't uh, for whatever enslavement or, or, or malconditions of the mind they may have. So I want to jump to those pillars. Can we, yeah. can we go on one by one? Because yeah. Yeah. it's just so, so important. Yeah, so, but I want to finish answering your question. Yes, I'm going to finish answering your question, though, about surviving, thriving, and winning, because it's really yes. a important distinction. When you have a surviving mindset, you're depression adjacent. It's really important. And, I, and when you're depression adjacent, you don't believe in hope. And when you don't believe in hope, the creative part of the right side of your brain goes to sleep. The right side of your brain is where patterns come from, is where creativity lives, is where dreaming lives. It's where decency lives. It's where love and emotion and compassion lives. And if this right side of your brain, the creative side, goes, goes, goes silent because now you're in a surviving mode, okay? The logic that now locks in is not a logic that's based on aspiration. It's a logic based on surviving. And that becomes brute force. And that, now you have poor whites and poor blacks locking it up in a ridiculous armored battle where no one wins except the folks at the top. Okay, so now the thriving the group is a middle-class group used to, it's about a paycheck, it's the getting business, getting a paycheck, getting an income, getting a vacation, getting a home, getting a new car, get, getting a girlfriend, 
It's like even owning a business, a small business owner could be part of the thriving group because they're trying to get a way of life, get, get, get some, get a better standard of living than they did working for somebody else. But the, but the winning- They're part, in the middle of a come up. Yes, but there's somebody else's come up. The somebody else is the winners. The winners are builders. And a winner knew they were a winner before they won anything. You knew you were a winner before you won anything, even when the world was pounding on you. You knew that you, that God had a special place for you because there was the five pillars, which I'm about to pivot to now. What was it Sonia Bonnelly said? I will not put a second-class ribbon on a first-class neck. Or as, as, or as Quincy Jones said to accentuate that, not, not one ounce of my self-worth or self-esteem depends on your acceptance of me. Or as Reverend Murray said, it's not what people call you, it's what you answer to that's important and never ever answer out of your name and to argue with a fool proves there are two. Mm -hmm. So, so then, then that pivots, now that pivots to the five pillars. So how do you build more winners? Because this country was really, and the point I make here is that not everybody in this country, with the exception of the slaves and the Native American Indians and the poor whites who either were sent here against their will or were, were run out of here against their will. Everybody else, Janice, came here voluntarily with a dream. These are type A, I can't say this enough, these are type A personalities who had winning in their mindset before they hit that shore. And that's why America thrives. That's why we're the largest economy in the world, is you had all these people coming from all over the world, even the folks jumping the, jumping the fence from Mexico trying to get here, we jammed them up. They're aspirational too. They wanted a better life. We benefited from all that pulsating energy of people who say, I'm going to build something for my family, myself, my wealth. Now, to the extent that we're, we got 100 million people who are feel jammed up and left behind, you've got a, an anchor on the growth of America. And when that anchor grows, you're done. The, country is, the country's storyline is over. Now, the five pillars. Let me just, let me just read them. Yes, and before you do the five pillars, John, it's yeah. going to be important for people to understand how you open this book. Can you just read the first paragraph or two of the book? Can you grab it? I see it there. Uh, can you grab uh, it? Yeah, I've got the I've got the book here. You mean the, the, the of course you got the Ambassador Young piece. You mean you mean the preface after that? I assume. Yes, yes, please. I think it's so important, and I think it's going to have people running out to get this book. I mean, it's it's. Look, you know me, I'm gonna come real. We'll find another way to talk about your book if I ain't overwhelmed. I am, <laughs> I am flabbergasted. It's so beautiful. Uh, well, thank you. It means a lot coming from you because you're, high, you're high frequency. I believe you mean from the preface. So I'm gonna start there and then you can tell please, me. Please, please. This is not a book about the pandemic or the jobs crisis or Black Lives Matter or how to get more money or about getting rich or starting a business but it's also about all of those things, ultimately. It's about, it's about your new winning mindset and about you winning in your lifetime. It's about reimagining re a better way for us all to win. Uh, and now that's the preface. And then of course- the, the uh, that, that, That's so important. That's so important because, and I wanted you to read it. I wanted people to hear it from your voice because John, so many times, and I'm seeing this a lot right now with the people I'm working with, especially those people who have started businesses 
right before the pandemic or were thinking about starting it in the midst of it. And there are different mindsets. Those who have started before the pandemic are trying to figure out how to survive through it. And those who are starting them in the midst of the pandemic are rolling in on some of the mindset. And with your book, I think they can be educated really well for it. It'll work well for both. You got your hand up. Let me shut up. <laughs> no, 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 I was agreeing with you. I'm saying that those coming on the back of the, of, of the pandemic are riding a wave uh, as, as we turn the corner. I was agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and that's so important. So I'm really glad you were able to just set the frame for why I'm so excited that this book is for everybody. And I, I would say it's the aspirin. You know how the aspirin came out and it just helped everybody be better if they if they understood the other principles of health for their lives. It just, it gave them that little pump up. And, 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 and this book, is the aspirin. Anyway, go on, John, the pillars. The that, pillars. That, that's my quote of the day. Uh, that, that is, that's it. It's the aspirin. Um, so here, here's the, here's the five pillars and I need everybody to write this down, write it down, try to refute it, try to disregard it, try to say I'm stupid, try to dismiss it because I want you to beat it up. If it does, if you can't beat it up, I need you to adopt it and take it like aspirin every day. Here it is. Mm -hmm. Here are the five pillars, massive education as much education as you shove down your throat. Formal, informal education, but massive education. Understanding hey, the numbers. Hey, 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 John, and I know you're gonna go back, but on that massive education, mm -hmm. all information is isn't edu education. Right. And so leaning in and learning nothing but what you hear, as you talked about earlier, from your favorite tweeters or your favorite Instagrammers ain't necessarily gonna assure you're learning, you may just be affirming past thoughts, which may not in fact be truths. Okay, I just needed to put that out there. No, you gotta decide whether this is a smartphone or a dumb phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you're using this to watch uh, gangster rap videos and, and watch and, and read celebrity gossip eight hours a day, it's a dumb phone. But if you're using this uh, to figure out as a little, what well, it is a mini computer, and uh, I mean, you can literally, speak anything into this and find out the, the, the answers to the unlock, the unlock uh, 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 jewels of the world. And you can- I, I met women in Africa who built and run businesses on, on their smartphone. That's it, that's it. So, so you're right. Massive oh, education, massive education. Massive education. Number two, understanding the numbers. So Freedman's Bank was created after the Civil War by Abraham Lincoln to teach us about money, financial literacy, ownership, small business ownership, financial, you know, <laughs> wealth creation. So the, 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 the winners are trying to build wealth, which creates income. The thrivers are trying to create income in, to the exception of wealth. They're trying to create a lifestyle. They want cash flow. That's why people say, I want to get paid. I want to get rich. Let me get some of that money. <clears throat> but you can also end up broke. Because no one taught you the mindset of wealth creation, which is completely different. You build wealth in your sleep. Okay? And I, I love that you're distinguishing between being rich and being wealthy. I've also distinguished between a small business owner and an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. A small business owner, fantastic, is trying to acquire a lifestyle. A, a, a entrepreneur is trying to build wealth, build an institution, build a company, build a dream, 
uh, it's a which which then creates wealth and create tends to create cash flow. But that's not the entrepreneurs that wake up day, every day going, "Oh, how do I get paid?" That's not the way an entrepreneur thinks. Um, Matt, so understanding the numbers, financial literacy. How does how does everything works on money? That you can't run the church without money. You you can't run a nonprofit without money. People say, "Oh, I don't want capitalism. I want I want to I want to work for the government. I want to work for a nonprofit." Uh, even if you want to distribute money like a socialist, you got to first collect it like a capitalist. 90% of all jobs come from the private sector. 100% of all legitimate wealth is not through criminal activity. My brother who served in the military for years and did some very high level work once said to me when I was asking him questions, I'm never going to answer you specifically. Let me give you a detail that'll help you though. He said, freedom ain't free. It ain't never been free. It never will be free. We truly need people like you. He was talking about the entrepreneur to do what you're doing to enjoy the freedom we have. It all cooperates. It's, and it all correlates. When we had the great, it was a great depression. They had to borrow money from JP Morgan. The federal government had to borrow money from JP Morgan as in Chase. Mm -hmm. So all legitimate wealth comes from the private sector. And we, and so we're not rich. We, we, people say, oh, I hate rich people. No, you don't. You hate rich people till you become rich. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what you hate is a game system. The third thing is family structure and resilience. And, and, and John, let me go back to something because I know you know you, you, you up from nothing and you come out of the church too. And regardless of where you are uh, from a religious perspective, I think you touch a lot of people spiritually. Some of that um negative energy around the idea of rich or the idea of wealth comes from the limited education you talked about massive education understanding what wealth has done for those who have it and don't have it like helping your government bring itself back forward or paving streets or setting up libraries like carnegie um but we come from a place where I think sometimes we we don't dig into what was that scriptural uh, statement, John, about it is harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Yeah, but yeah. it goes on to teach us what it's speaking about. It ain't saying that being rich in and of itself or being wealthy in and of itself is bad. Right. It's the love of money, not money. Yeah. Not it's not money is not evil. It's the love of money, right? That is evil. Uh, right. And wealth does not make you evil. It reveals your evilness. Whatever yeah. you are, money and wealth simply reveals that even more. If you're a nice person, it exemplifies that. If you're a jerk, it exemplifies that. It just simply amplifies whatever and whomever uh, you happen to be. Yeah. And yeah, way, I, I thought it was important before we leave uh, <clears throat> pillar number two to make sure that that we're all seeing it from your eyes. You're you're not purporting wealth or or riches just on the scale of personal fulfillment. Your your book is leaning in on how you enjoy prosperity as a part of a larger economy. People don't realize, Janice, that the Bible talked about money more than it talked about anything else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. And mm -hmm. uh, 
And uh, in Proverbs, it says, to be poor is not to, have, is not to not have anything in the Bible. To be poor is not to not do anything. And right. hands make a man poor. Uh, right. And so uh, the, on the one hand, it's saying don't have a love for money. On the other hand, it's saying go, go get your, go build yourself and be industrious and lean in. God helps those who help themselves. And then once you are filled with my spirit, as you get, you'll give. As you get, you'll give. That's where philanthropy comes from. That's where charity comes from. That's from lifting. That's where job creation comes from. And lifting your brother and sister up uh, to help them so they have some bootstraps. Okay. Um, and by the way, the same churches that say, out of ignorance mostly, that money is bad, is turning to the wealthiest member of their congregation and saying, "Can you make an extra contribution this week to the?" Oh, week? John, you going in? You going in? Okay. Oh. <laughs> Okay, John, so you went in there. Now, let's go to pillar number three, okay? Sure. Family structure and resiliency is number three. Family structure and resiliency. What were we robbed from in slavery? Family structure. What, what, what were we robbed of psychologically? Uh, if the man was held down while his wife was abused, his, per, his inner resiliency, his inner... Or even more recently, what are we robbed of when um, incarceration and application of the law uh, is, is, is at issue. Which you might call modern day slavery. Yeah. <laughs> you, might, yeah. you might suggest that a uh, hundred years after slavery, you had commercial slavery. You had, if you were in a, a town after 6 p.m. and, they, and they, they imprisoned you, and then they said the only way you can work this off to go work for a company, uh, and, and that's commercial slavery. Uh, so uh, one could argue that, that Jim Crow was an extension for 100 years of slavery and that the penal system is a, is a, is, is a disgusting holdover legacy from all of those periods. And it occurred for Jews, too, when they were put in concentration camps providing labor for many of the brand names that we all uh, enjoy today. Yes, and it's very, uh, very important that you mention the Jews because I'm about to describe how they were different and how they came through uh, trying to be exterminated, someone trying to exterminate them, and they were they were solid before the Holocaust, and they were solid afterwards. I'm explain how in just a second. Massive education number one, two understanding the numbers, three family structure and resiliency, four self esteem and confidence. <sighs> confidence is taking my skill, and I'm confident about it. I'm sorry, I'm competent with it, so I have confidence about it. That confidence is what I is how the world I show up in the world. Self-esteem is how I esteem myself. It's self-love, so important. What and John, you know, my, my, my definition for confidence, you, we've talked about that before. My definition for confidence is the equitable marriage of wisdom with experience. Yeah, yes. And that, and that, that creates enormous- uh, Knowledge with experience, knowledge with experience. Uh, wisdom comes later. Yeah, yeah, wisdom. Yeah, wisdom comes with time, exactly, because you can actually have education in the short term that looks like wisdom. So, mm -hmm. so, but self-esteem you can't fake. Mm -hmm. You can have high confidence and low self-esteem, and that's right. what happened with black. Wow, and say that again, John. Please yeah. say that again. You can have high confidence and low self-esteem, and actually, a, the most dangerous person in the world is oh no, one of the most dangerous person. No hope is most dangerous. One of the most dangerous, high confidence. Power, wealth, position, and massively low self-esteem. 
So now they're selling fear and they're selling manipulation and they're selling intimidation because they're afraid of the world. And so they, uh, they versus impressing, they repress mm-hmm. in order to keep themselves in a position of power. Uh, and there's over the long arc of history, you can just name the leaders who tried to do that. That, was come from my, that came from my book four, four books ago, Love Leadership, The New Way to Lead mm-hmm. a Fear-Based World. So, so self-esteem and confidence was, was beat out of us, out of Native American Indians and poor whites. Um, uh, role modeling is the fifth one. Uh, you model what you see. We, we, we got 40 million black people trying to be 3,000 rap stars, <laughs> 550 NBA stars, you know, 1,000 professional athletes, and unfortunately, a holder of a drug dealers and, and, and gang members, because that's the models of success that we see. Whereas my Jewish friends, there are only 15 million of them, seven and a half million of them in the U.S., and they're, they're looking, they're becoming engineer, everything from engineers to investment bankers to accountants to, to health professionals to, to computer technicians. They're in the, they're in the wide gamut of, the, of, of the, the industries that's driving the $20 trillion economy. So they have a large funnel of opportunity for a limited supply of talent. We've got a large supply of talent for a little funnel, a limited funnel of opportunity. And, and, and they're social and they are social justice leaders, not just social justice pleaders. Go into that, dig into that a little bit further. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've seen, I've witnessed personally some yeah. of the most beautiful givers to the education, to the financial stability, to the uh, uh, to 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 the social acceptance and inclusion yeah. from wealthy Jewish people who I know. Yeah. who have really given forward. Um, they operate from a mindset of not only do I live my faith, I question my faith over and over again to ensure that it is holding true and that I'm holding true to it. Now, I grew up where you don't question God and you don't question, you know, and, and you'll be in trouble if you do that. It's dishonorable. It's, it's blasphemous. And I've met uh, Jewish friends who operate to the exact opposite of that. I question it every day and every day it answers me, you know? And so delivering to social justice leadership, not just social justice leadership, circling back to your contention earlier, I believe, uh, so well made that, um, that we do need currency in order to move things forward. I rallied for political currency being your first exchange that you invest wisely. And from that, with your five pillars, you can gain the financial currency you need. But I've seen Jewish people exercise social justice leadership in a way that assures that your second pillar and your third pillar, I believe, becomes an outcome of that. Yeah, Was, absolutely. Does that make sense? Did I hear what you're teaching me well? No, you, no, you, 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 made, you made perfect sense. And by the way, everybody, what they decide, what people decide to do with their wealth is going to be different. Some, for you, mm-hmm. it's political. For somebody else, it might be social justice. For somebody else, it might be uh, police reform. For somebody Entrepreneurship. Else, entrepreneurship. That, and that's beautiful, right? But you got to create it before you can give it away. 
Uh, you can't, you, you know, you can't pull from an empty well. Uh, Yom Kippur was just um, uh, recently, I think it was uh, September 27th, 28th, and I'd call my Jewish friends or ping them on that day, and they were in deep reflection. They took, mm -hmm. they took this seriously, to your point. And, and, and I question God because God doesn't have a self-esteem problem. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, 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 as long as you're skeptical and not cynical, I don't question his existence or her existence. I, I, I just want to, uh, I just keep questioning so that, because only through constructive friction do you grow. I keep my parents, my parents, you talk about that strong family structure. Yeah. I've said over and over again, John, you've heard me say it, that the, the greatest, one of the greatest gifts I ever received in life was to have a mother and father who loved each other well. Yeah. Um, and I remember growing up and having an aunt turn around and say, I was being a uh, smarty pants to keep questioning my mom. And my mom turned to her with a very loving uh, voice and said, no, we encourage our children to question us. They trust us. So they question us to get the answers. And, 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 and that's, that stayed with me. Even to this late stage in my life, as you and I are talking, that mom and dad really, they wanted us to ask them. You don't have to ask the streets. Ask okay. us. You're not going to be chastised because you asked us questions. And if you need to ask it over and over again, ask it until you've heard it well. You know, ask it until you're answering it for yourself. And so um, I, I, I firmly believe that you have to question, you know, and test that things still work. And, and, and I think asking questions is one of the strongest exhibits of faith or trust. What you're seeing here in this study, Janice, is a confirmation of your, of your point. All I'm doing with these books is asking questions. I'm asking questions about, about history, about about the future, about uh, about their spirituality. That, that's what books do. They answer um, thoughtful questioning. Uh, you got to be curious. How, Quincy Jones put in the book. How'd you get so smart? I'm just nosy as hell. He said. Half the time when I'm texting you or communicating with you, I'm asking you questions because I value that you're going to give me answers that are meaningful and, and truthful. I'm, and I'm asking you back because I respect and admire you. And 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 my biggest investors, by the way, in my free enterprise uh, sort of my life are Jewish investors. Is that mm -hmm. an accident? I don't know. Uh, but I, th it, I think it's noteworthy. Um, and I think that they relate to our struggle. It's mm -hmm. not a good program. They get a return on their investment. But I think that they, there's a relationship there because of the pain they went through. I think I'm committing, though, as we, this is turning into an hour podcast, which I love, but I think I'm committing author malpractice here, though, because I haven't, I haven't dropped the mic on the core principles of the book and here's what I have to say to the audience in the remaining six six minutes. If you listen to everything here, did we complete our pillars? Did we complete our five pillars? We did, but but I didn't complete my job on the five pillars, okay. which is which is to question the pillars. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing: your audience should be saying, "Yeah, but I don't have all five of those." Okay. By the way, why did the Jewish community succeed in spite of the Holocaust? They had all five of these. Massive education, understanding the numbers, family structure and resiliency, self-esteem and confidence, and role models. But if you don't have five of these, that's fine. If you have any three of these or more, any three of them, you have massive education, family structure, and role models, you'll succeed. You've got family structure, self-esteem, and role models, you'll succeed. You have massive education, the numbers, and family structure, you'll succeed. 
you got you got uh, massive education, self-esteem, and understanding the numbers. You'll succeed. But if you have three or less of these, you, it's not that you can't succeed. It's just really tough because the surviving mindset is ten, tends to take over because now you get frustrated because you're just you're just spinning your wheels in the mud. So we've got to create a system, house by house, block by block, neighborhood by neighborhood, and for the country. This is how America won, Janice. This was America's original immigrant business plan. And by the way, we didn't have all five of those. We built toward them. I love, John, one of the things that we can't leave this conversation without you uh, just espousing on is the order of those pillars as you spoke to them, I think, feed to each other in the right in in the right approach as well. It's not just randomly thrown out there. Like you say, any of them, a combination of three, you're winning. Three out of five is a win. Um, here's the thing. The order that you teach them to us, I think is really important and allows us, even if we don't gain all five for ourselves, we gain it for our children or those we love or those who are in the journey with us. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I'm just, no, I, of course I agree with that. And, and I put them in this order for a reason. I'm just trying to make sure that people don't get frustrated. I was talking to T.I. yesterday, my a friend of mine, and he was saying, John, you know, people don't believe, man. They're like, they see you and me and they listen, they say, hey, that sounds cool, but they don't believe that can happen to them. So you got to, you got to give it, you, you got to put the food where they can, where they can grab it. So I'm just trying to make sure that people feel this is attainable. That's why I say any three of these will work. Fine, I'd love mm -hmm. for you to get them in this order, but but don't get frustrated if it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, your, your family structure may be completely screwed up. Uh, okay, but you can get massive education. You can get it through the internet. You can understand the numbers. You can actually teach yourself financial literacy or come to Operation Hope. Uh, you can you can do that, gain self-esteem and confidence because education and understanding the math gives you self-esteem and self-esteem will build, will, 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 will engender confidence. And then through that, you can then start to pick your role models better because if you hang around nine broke people, you'll be the 10th. See, I just want people to understand that there's a logic table to this and they get in this rhythm, it won't, it, it won't fail them. And this, this is part for me, part of, a, a, again, in where I started. I think we're in a third reconstruction for the next decade in this country. And, uh, and, and we're all actors in it. I've launched a new Marshall Plan. I'm about to launch the forum. We want you to speak, by the way. We're about to launch a, uh, a, a couple of initiatives, which I can't say right now, which are going to, I think, fundamentally reshape uh, Black America over the next decade of giving, filling some of these holes up. Um, but this is, the, this is the mindset piece. This, this is the, th the piece that I'm most passionate about because when I didn't have any money, I had hope. Wow. And hope, health, ownership, prosperity, and engagement. You are all of those things. You represent your name so well. Thank you. And I am just honored, honored, honored to be a friend and to be, um, to be at your table. Uh, John, we got to go four for four. We did it before. Let's see if anything's different. What are the four things? that you wish you'd known earlier, that you know now? A lot of it's in your book, so it's kind of a jump for you. Uh, uh, other people's opinions really don't matter. Hurt people hurt people. 
just because you're successful doesn't mean you're smart. <laughs> Ignore the noise. <laughs> hey, John, uh, you're having dinner for people at your table today, no matter when they were on earth. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, Jesus Christ, sorry, Jesus first, and, uh, and Mary. Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? I'm going to cook or serve up in there because I want to be uh, present to, to that conversation. Um, John, what are the four books that you recommend be read? And I'm going to put that first one up there for you, Up From Nothing. What are the other three? Um, I actually read my own book and was like, wow. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been away from it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not impressed with most things I do. I, I'm actually pretty good, pretty down on most of the stuff I do. I read it, I was like, wow, this is really good. Um, the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. He teaches he detached involvement, it's brilliant. Um, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, 1947, when it's published. Uh, uh, Dr. Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled. Um, that's four. That's four. Yours that's is four. yours. Okay. Is four. Yeah. 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 Up love, from I nothing. Love I love books. Yeah. And John, last four for four. Uh, what four things are you listening to right now, musically? Hmm. I, yeah. I don't. You know. I don't know the artist's uh, name. I just. Uh, yeah. I don't know the artist's name. I, but they're from all genres. I listen to it and and I feel it, and uh, then I tend to download it. There's a young lady now, uh, just because I have it right in front of me, La Portia Renee. Uh, I never heard her before. I, I downloaded all of her stuff, which I heard once I heard one song. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've got a, I'm all over the, the map. I'm, I'm from R&B to pop to rap. Like, I love Jay-Z's 444 album because it's about financial literacy. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm over at jazz and I'm over at classical. I'm all over the place. You've been listening to Quincy. Oh, Quincy's the man. I mean, Quincy is, is iconic. And Quincy's in all categories. He's got more Grammys than anybody in the history of the, of the world. And so that's three. And so if you round out your four with what you're listening to uh, spiritually or religiously, who, 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 who are you hearing? I mean, I always listen to Howard Hewitt, who's one of my dear friends. And he's... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Does he minister? And he sings that at every concert, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's got some, he's got some spiritual songs that are not as well uh, known as, as Say Amen. That are, Say Amen, that, yeah chills down your spine well child all i can say is amen to you john he comes to atlanta by the way he stays here in this house listen you are a friend you are a brother you are a mentor you are a good person and i am so grateful that you came back to talk with the family about up from nothing i know so many people are going to just be enriched enriched i mean i I'm learning so much and it's the kind of thing that you just can't put down. It's so beautifully written. It's so uh, honest. Um, and as you said, your goal was that Pookie and them can understand it. And so can someone at the highest level. I think it's going to be the common thread for all of us in how we see succeeding. Um, it's the aspirin and I'm going to take mine. I'm going to take mine. John. That's a great quote. Can I'm I use, so, it? Can I use that quote? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please listen, listen. It's been a joy listening to you and learning from you. And let me just say this, my brother, I love you. Thank you so much. I love you back. You're a role model for a generation. Uh, people don't, don't really appreciate who they're looking at when they're looking at you. They're looking at a pioneer. Uh, Janice, you are a, uh, you don't walk on water, but you know where the stones are. You're a bad sister. Well, thank you, John Hope Bryant, messenger. Thank you. God bless you.